Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. So this week we published a mid-year outlook. We called it Boiling the Frog. And essentially what we're doing in the outlook in terms of laying out the views is both highlighting the resiliency we've had in the first half of the year, but also laying out a forecast that has a movement towards an early end to the expansion. And I think you know, a large part of what we're describing there is a process, a process whereby inflation persistence forces central banks to stay tight and in many cases go even more restrictive, that the things that are providing resiliency um, in terms of particular the business sector begin to erode in the face of uh, constraints from central bank policy um, and um, the um, lifts from uh, the fading of last year's drag starting to, to fade. And this takes some time, but it kind of, you know, uh, connects into a, a dynamic that eventually ends this expansion. And with the idea that that expansion story is not specifically a U.S. one, it's, it's, it's more synchronized uh, as we think about the inflation problems, the central bank tightening, at least across the DM. So that's a a backdrop I just want to lay on the table. I, we're not going to go through the outlook, but I want to put that on the table because in some ways, as we're looking at data now, we're kind of trying to gauge how fast are we moving down that road. We're, we've been explicitly trying to uh, give a sense that it's not happening that quickly, but also that it's not that easy to time this. And this is where we are. Um, and let's talk to you know, we had a pretty important data release from our tracking point of view here, which was the DM uh, flash PMIs for June. And why don't you give us the good news on it, Joe? <laughs> I don't think there's anything <laughs> good news about the PMIs. And this is uh, this is going to sound like uh, a repeat of May, frankly. And the, it stings all the more because I think just before the May PMI came out, uh, you know, we and I and I, I'll I'll take ownership of a lot of it have been looking for uh, a recovery there, particularly within the manufacturing sector. And I think that's a point here to to to, to press on the the PMIs, the flash readings we got for the U.S., Euro area, Japan, and U.K. today. Uh, the survey, but everything came down. Everything was ugly. I think if you just add everything up and could look I just jump in here a second? Um, yeah, I don't think. This is a report like May. May, the flash PMIs went up in the aggregate. Um, and we had three months in a row of the DM, DM PMIs going up. And this is the first month it came down. The manufacturing sector was a repeat of May. But in, yeah. in, in, well, in, I mean, in I, May, I, we had a good service sector reading. Right. Right. I mean, so, I it, I mean, that was generally the point I was going to make, which is that if you just take the all industry and it, things are OK, right, they're, they're tracking our forecast of OK growth. Um, nothing too concerning, but it's a second straight month of um, pretty ugly manufacturing news. And that's where I, I felt like we were setting ourselves up for a turn when we were sitting here in April. Uh, and it looked like final sales were holding up. You were getting a, you know, a bit of a bounce back after some softness earlier in the year. Uh, and then inventories were also picking up. And you could see that very clearly up through the April report. And no sooner had the ink barely dried on that statement than the inventory pieces of the, of the PMIs have just cratered. Uh, and then on top of it, 
at least the new orders pieces in the manufacturing PMIs are also kind of on the soft side. And I mean, boy, the, the good sector is just really, really in trouble here. And, uh, you know, I, I keep coming back to the point. Let that, me just make this point, Joe, which yeah. I, I, I think is just as a, as a, a note is, is very strong. The PMI manufacturing for the DM today on the output index uh, is at the lowest non-recession point we've got since we've created that series, which was in the late 1990s. So it's that's right. I mean, you could have said that. I mean, and here's the caveat: you could have said that in last November, and I did say that last November, and I think you correctly chided me a little bit on that point because you said, "Well, in 98, in 98. <laughs> 98, it got pretty darn low, right?" And we're about at the same point. We were there in 98. We were there in November. Neither of those two did we have a recession, right? And you know, we're actually a little lower now, I think. But yeah, uh, I mean, like just a whisker lower. So you can maybe hang your hat on that. And and frankly, to your point, you laid out the outlook as we started this call. We are hanging our hat on that. We are not looking for a recession. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a disappointing report. What I was saying is, I keep coming back to the supports for final demand look like they're there. And it's just hard for me to get too concerned in a world where, you know, labor income's doing well, inflation's falling, purchasing power is holding up, balance sheets. Well, let me, let me jump in here on that. Cause I think the, the, yeah, I think if you took the, the details of the manufacturing report, you could say, as you described a moment ago that, Hey, what we have here is just a more intense inventory correction here. And, and given that final sales is, holding up. Um, and I just want to, I know you're, you're going to get to a point, but on that, I just want to very quickly say that inventory slide, while it's, while it's concerning for output, that's actually a little bit of a silver lining. That well, also, so I was going to say, big part could, of the weakness is, is that it's inventories. You could say that you could say, okay, if you're just getting a little bit more of a blowout on inventories, you're just setting yourself up for better news ahead as long as final demand holds up. But I guess my concern when I think about this is I look at the softness in business um, inventory behavior that's reflected here, and I start to put it at least in the goods producing industries right now with some greater caution. Uh, and I think that's where you start to connect uh, a couple of other dots, not all of whom go exactly in that direction. So I think the the dynamic, as you noted, is that labor markets continue to be strong. There's a service sector engine here, which isn't going away. But then you look at the U.S. and you see claims going up the way it is. And yeah. that, that to me, is, is got some connecting thread, which is, okay, we've got a service sector that's keeping the labor market going. Uh, right now, households still have labor income to rely on. Um, but uh, there's something in that claims rise, which... Uh, is telling you that people are getting laid off, that they're parts of the economy, maybe more concentrated in goods producing industries, which are um, under more under more pressure. So the, the question is in that tension, it doesn't add up to, hey, we're about to slide in recession next month because that service sector uh, support isn't going away. But is that dynamic start to shift and maybe start to shift quicker than we anticipate um, in the direction of, of outright weakness? That's that. Absolutely. And let me let me kind of uh, kind of flip the script on the metaphor. We've been telling uh, we just put our outlook out on boiling the frog. And the idea there was that kind of, in a sense, 
you know, that the economy or maybe even central banks are the frog there that are getting boiled with somewhat higher and higher inflation rates gradually moving up. And eventually that kind of kills the frog later. Uh, maybe we're the frog. Maybe we're watching this data, which is slowly deteriorating. We keep saying, no, not yet, not yet, not yet. But maybe it is breaking and we're just not recognizing that the water is boiling all around us when you start tying the threads together. Oh man, we're the frog. <laughs> Getting me scared here. <laughs> gotta, I gotta marinate on that one. Um, all right, um, but let's let's take the another angle here. Um, so the I mean, Bruce, I will add, like, I mean, yes, potentially business caution on inventories. You raised that as a as a caution point uh, a couple of months ago when we were felt like we were going through an inventory drawdown. You said. That could be positive, but it could also be a sign of business caution. And the counter to that was that labor markets are holding up. I think the broad picture globally on labor markets is still quite strong. In fact, even in this flash PMI report, the one silver lining, which to me is a big silver lining, is that the employment piece of it actually held up relatively well. well. I guess the way the way I'm thinking about it is that you could have both these balls in the air at the same time, which is to say what we're seeing in a world in which there is a very distinct and quite powerful service sector cyclical dynamic, which is separate from what's happening in the goods producing industries. You could have that business caution starting to build in the manufacturing sector and the goods producing industry at the same time that there's an underlying still pretty strong um, demand for labor in the services industry, which is helping to, uh, to keep service sector demand up as well. The issue is, not that these things can't coexist, but where are they going to move as we've, I think, had a pretty substantial um, you know, support from service sector normalization in the first half of the year. And I, I just don't want to count on that much, much longer. It's not to me like we're going we're gonna to be the frog dead here and the economy is going to be a recession in the next month or so. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, right. maybe that is it. But I think yeah. the, the, the line that you could draw here is that the service sector supports are going to fade and these goods producing industry drags are going to continue to be with us, especially in a world in which monetary policy is, um, is continuing to tighten. So, I mean, that's the dynamic, how this sort of, it's not so much that this is a, uh, uh, an inconsistency, but that there's just two pretty powerful cyclical pieces of the um, business sector right now, which are doing very different, uh, different things. Um, well, let me raise another issue here, which is probably, from my mind, the the most troubling part of today's news is that Europe did so poorly, Euro area specifically, um, because as much as the manufacturing sector story is is disappointing and very broadly weak in in Europe and the PMIs, the actual output numbers, when you take out Ireland, have just not been as weak as the PMI. So I'm willing to fade that a little bit. What I don't like is to now see services come off in an environment in which I thought the euro area services sector gets the benefits of uh, the fading of the shocks from last year. It still got depressed levels vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the U.S. at least. Uh, and that I thought that that could be an engine that could keep growth at a pretty decent pace here, at least through the end of this year. And that slide today, while it doesn't go into weakness like manufacturing is, is a, is a clear step in, in the wrong direction and challenges that, that sense that you've got, um, you know, 
an engine that could keep running here for, yeah, I mean, for a absolutely. while. Absolutely. We, I mean, in, just so for, for viewers, I mean, we lowered our, our forecast this week for the second quarter. We took it down three quarters of a percentage point down to one and a quarter. And we also lowered growth to one and a quarter next quarter, which is only about a quarter point downgrade, but it's kind of more kind of maybe like trend-like growth for the region opposed to what we thought was going to be a bounce back. And let's not forget we may not want to call it a recession because labor markets were doing pretty well in Europe, but Europe did is coming off of two contractions in GDP. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, I don't want to call that a recession. Given, that's, given that's fine. That's fine. But it is Thanks. two week periods. And I think what, what we're recognizing now as we're talking through this over the course of the day is that, you know, Europe is kind of at the crossroads of a lot of headwinds still. Right. I mean, you, you, it, you could argue that the, the energy price shock is, is moderating, but we don't know what the lags of last year's shock is. I mean, that could still be weighing on, on, uh, uh, you know, on activity. Similarly, I think the Russia-Ukraine, there is a potential sentiment shock here. The thing that has really surprised me over the course of the past couple months is just how much we've been revising up the European saving rate, uh, household saving rate, which you can say is more about income than consumption. But at the end of the day, there's a level of excess saving there that is just not being tapped. And that could be precautionary saving in a world where households just don't know what the next couple of years are going to deliver with this lingering war right on their doorstep. Also, businesses, the, as I said, the energy shock, yeah, it's faded, but prices are still higher and people are probably questioning whether they should be, you know, doing, uh, you know, manufacturing in Europe or whether it should go elsewhere. And then the last kicker is China. China, as we, we've been flagging on this call for a number of weeks, is we've gone from big upside risk this year to actually, I would say, downside risks uh, on, on growth and certainly into the second half. And we know Europe is geared to China. So with China, so let me let me ask you this question not surprising. about. Let me ask this question about China because I'm here. I mean, there's a there's a piece of China that matters because you care about China, and then there's a piece of China which is the one I most focused on, which is you care about its spillovers to the to the rest of the world. In in the context of everything we're talking about here, is China going to be a a, a a a support, a neutral, or a or drag. So let me just sort of posit that we kind of can can debate China within a range for the second half of four to six percent. Let's just take that range. If that's the range we're talking about, um, does China actually have much impact on the life of the U.S. and European cycles, or should we just like say, hey, I this is less, China? Less for the U.S. I think the difference between four and six is material for Europe. Um, and it's the difference between, you know, sluggish growth to when combined with the other factors I just mentioned to outright recession in Europe uh, versus kind of solid Europe growth, maybe even some some bounce back. Uh, so are you we, suggesting that, before, that right that the betas are bigger of China to Europe? Are you suggesting that when we kind of dissect the manufacturing? disappointments in the European PMI over the last two or three months, you think China is playing a important role there? Probably. Yeah, I would say more than probably what we've appreciated. Okay. All right. Let's just turn for the last uh, 
a couple of minutes here to the news from central banks this week. Uh, we had, um, you know, two European central banks hike 50. We, we thought the Norges Bank would go 50 and we were, I mean, Alan was basically, Alan Monks was basically saying he thought they should go 50 at the Bank of England, but he didn't feel he was getting a strong enough signal to, to forecast that. So um, we have that coming on the back of the Fed of the previous week and ECB. Um, you know, to me, there's part of the messaging here is that the central bank response function, which has turned more hawkish, is probably not going to be that sensitive to slowing growth. So we have a a greater risk here as the central banks are going to look like they're going to continue to tighten here at least for a while, even if growth does does disappoint. And I think from the the point of view of the trade offs looking forward, that's obviously also a negative. Do you, do you buy that? Well, yeah, I do. I think one thing that's interesting we're going to have to grapple with as a team is as we keep raising interest rates, do we need to lower growth forecasts at all? We haven't. You could right. argue, I mean, we did that to Europe this week, but that was more of a tracking story. Well, um, I think it is more of a story for Europe because Europe, in our forecast, we don't have in any time in the next uh, 12 months or so, we don't have anything approaching a recession. And, and, you know, there's this question, I think, of whether their cycle has the same dynamic we're assuming for the U.S. is that at some point things do actually actually break here and the more yeah, you I, mean, it, I mean it kind of circles back to the question we we had about we, we, i don't understand the european story anymore i i felt there was an excess saving that was going to drive right europe and that's not happening and and yet inflation is is running high the ecb we've got another what two more hikes coming from the ecb uh, my guess is you know uh we'll probably you know we got 50 more for um Bank of, Bank of England as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, does that lead to reset outright recession as we turn towards next year? Maybe. Boiling Maybe a good, a good, a yeah, good, exactly. a good, a good point to, yeah, to perhaps. Uh, I mean, I think though, I think there's going to be a reassessment across our European outlook beyond just this kind of current quarter adjustment we've made. Okay. So maybe we'll leave it there and. Uh, uh, I think what the point I want to make sure we don't uh, lose here is we're not, I mean, maybe maybe I am a, a frog, but I don't think we're actually at the cusp of sliding into recession. I think what we're talking about is somewhat greater risk that as we watch this over the next three to six months, things take hold um, in a way that drives us there. Um, and, um, you know, whether or not the signals both from central banks this week and uh, the data are actually, uh, you know, reinforcing the case for somewhat, somewhat earlier rather than later. So um, with that, thanks everyone for listening um, and hope we can continue this conversation next week again on JP Morgan TV.